Welcome to another edition of the Ultimate Weigh-In Show. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOT. And this week, we're going over UFC 266, headlined by two title fights, and the return of one Nick Diaz in a five-round middleweight fight against Robbie Lawler. Obviously, we got the featherweight scrap uh, or strap on the line in the main event between Alexander Volkanovsky and Brian Ortega. And then in the co-main event, we got the flyweight women's strap on the line with uh, Valentina Shevchenko going up against Lauren Murphy, and she continues to clean out the flyweight division. But we'll see how much of a chance me and my guests are going to be giving Lauren Murphy when we break it down for you guys on this card. Now, I'm going to be taking a little bit of a different approach with these Ultimate Weigh-In shows. Uh, I've been having, you know, four people on, including myself, for the, uh, you know, for the past several weeks, and I feel as though it's very difficult to lock people down uh, to do a show on a Friday night, especially, you know. People have lives, people have social lives and stuff. So it's a little bit difficult to really track down three guys that are willing to talk fights every single Friday night. So there will be times where I have a single guest or well, I'll have two guests or something like that. But I don't want to get into this crazy, you know, four panel thing uh, on a Friday or every single Friday night. So there might be a little bit of a change in terms of the Ultimate Wayne show going forward. With that said... I have one solid guest with me. Uh, never actually done a podcast with him before, so I'm very much looking forward to having him on here. But we have talked a lot in Twitter DMs in the past, and I really respect this guy's opinion, so I can't wait for him to share it with you guys as well. So without a further ado, or without further ado, <laughs> absolutely botching it right there, we're going to bring in my guy, Sean Orr. Sean, how's it going, brother? Good luck. How are you doing tonight? I'm good, man. I'm good. I, I'm happy that you answered the call here. I did have, you know, a, a, whatever you want to call it, a celebrity-ish type of guest for the, the show tonight, but they had to bail out the last minute here. Uh, put out the call to a couple of people, and thankfully, you were the guy that were able to, to, to answer the call here. And I'm happy to do it like one-on-one -on -one here. It's a little bit easier for us to kind of get through the card in a timely fashion and also just talk shit amongst each other, right? It's it's a little bit crazy when you have four people on all at the same time. Not shitting on that type of format at all. I still enjoy that, but I do enjoy going one-on-one -on -one with you as well, too. So uh, is there anything that you want to share in terms of, like, uh, your your betting experience or how you got into MMA betting to begin with, just so the people can kind of get familiar with you right off the bat? Yeah, so I, I've been following MMA for... I, I think we, we calculated it was about 16 years I've been watching the sport. Uh, train jiu-jitsu. I did a, a bit of media stuff on the back end uh, with some fighters in Arizona. Um, and I've only been betting actually for about two years. So it started around the pandemic. I had dabbled in the past, but um, the pandemic really set me in the betting motion because there was really nothing to do here in Los Angeles. They locked everything down. So I became a, a degenerate like yourself. <laughs> for sure. I know there's a lot of people that really started, like whether it's their own business or another hobby during this whole COVID situation. And for myself, I, you know, I couldn't be happier in terms of what it was able to do for my brand and uh, being able to take this thing full time. So, uh, but there are guys like yourselves and so many other guys within this industry that I just love chopping it up with, whether it's in the t Twitter DMs or even now, you know, face to face, finally doing this or virtually face to face, if that's what you, what you want to call it, uh, to, to break down these fights and get different perspectives. Uh, every single week because you know this UFC circus is a non-stop thing on a week-to-week -week basis what 45 events it. a year exactly we love yeah. it as well I don't care if you're giving us Holly Holm versus Norma Dumont as the main event as don't long as we're getting give fights a shit. yeah keep that contender series rolling keep bringing them in I'm all about it 
Exactly. Again, I do not give a fuck that they're main eventing Holly Holm and Norman Dumont in a couple of weeks here. But as long as we got a card to bet on, we're happy, right? <laughs> I'm with you on that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's not waste too much more time. Let's get into the card right here. Starting at the bottom, we got Omar Morales going up against Jonathan Pierce, minus 150 on Omar Morales, Morales sorry, and plus 130 on Jonathan Pierce here. Um, I'll, I'll kick things off here. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of what Omar Morales brings to the table. I know a lot of people were kind of jumping off his ship after he lost to Giga Chikadze, but you know that loss isn't looking too bad now considering what he's been able to do over his past several fights. Uh, Hard-nosed striker, likes to kind of you know, at times push the pace, stay in his opponent's face and really get his combinations off. And we saw it kind of in the Shane Young fight as well, where I made him a lock of the night play that night at minus 185. I thought that was a great line. Wasn't a big uh, fan of what Shane Young really brought to the table. I, I saw some love for him out there in that fight, but I just didn't really understand it. Thankfully, I was able to stick true to my read and uh, cash that uh, play on Omar Morales that night. And I kind of feel similar here. I, I, I am seeing some takes on Jonathan Pierce, which I respect. You know, obviously he's a fight ready guy and that's a team that I, I respect very very highly, but I still think that Omar Morales can do some good things in this featherweight division with that striking style that he has, right? Like sometimes he might be a little bit um, shy in terms of his output, but when he does throw, he definitely cracks and he's able to, to kind of make his opponents respect the striking style that's coming back his way. For Jonathan Pierce to be successful in this fight, in my opinion, he needs to get that wrestling going. If he cannot, I think he's going to get butchered on the feet here. Not saying that's butchered to the extent that he's going to get finished because, you know, during his UFC career, Omar Morales has not finished anybody to this point, right? Pre-UFC, yeah, he was knocking dudes out, but it doesn't seem like he's overextending or really putting too much oomph on his strikes. Uh, Maybe scared of the counter or maybe a takedown attempt that's going to be coming uh, in return if he does go out there and throw uh, any big heat. But I do still like him in this spot. I do think he'll start to... Uh, shock off a couple takedowns early here against Pierce, let his striking go, and then take uh, home a decision victory. How do you feel about this matchup? Yeah, so I think I think what you said is true that Omar Morales definitely has more power than what he's shown in his UFC fights. I think that he's a very good striker. Um, I think both of these guys match up well with each other because one one fighter's strength is the other person's weakness. And what I mean by that is that Jonathan Pierce, he's usually really heavy on his lead leg, so he's susceptible to kicks. And also he uses his face as like a punching bag, more or less. He has no defense. Um, now, I, I'm going to play Pierce because I believe more or less the math is on my side. I feel like Morales, he's 35. We know what he is. He's a finished product at this point. Whereas Jonathan Pierce, he showed a giant gap up from what he was, how he was fighting on the regional scene. Um, ever since he's transitioned to fight ready. Now, I'm not gonna lay any suspicions on fight ready, but we have noticed over the past few months that fighters are coming in looking in the best shape of their lives when they're coming out of that camp. And if you go back and you watch that Kamaka fight and you see some of the looks that Pierce is giving Kamaka, it's actually some pretty impressive athleticism. He's transitioning to a single leg uh, right to a flying knee, albeit it doesn't land but it's still impressive to see somebody with that creativity in the cage. Um, on the Morales side, I noticed in the Shane Young fight, which by the way, great play on Morales because he easily stole a 30-27 decision. So you got a lot of value on that 185 line. Um, I did notice that he backs himself up to the cage. And I do think that that is a symptom of his low volume tendencies. 
So I do see a path here actually where Jonathan Pierce is going to be able to snatch single legs, make the fight dirty, push him against the fence, and more or less avoid the range game of Morales. Because if you look at his range timing against Kamaka, he actually was pretty conservative in his approach on when he was in and out of the pocket. Now, that's not to say that when Jonathan Pierce is actually in the pocket and he commits, he is there to be had. So I am not going to be surprised at all if Morales knocks him down, finishes him, whatever, whatever here. But I do think that Jonathan Pierce has the likelier path to victory. And I took him at plus 135. I took a unit. Um, and I'm going to sit on about a unit. I think that that's, that's a fair enough play. So you think just the overall MMA game here for Pierce will probably be able to defeat what Morales brings to the table? I think the wrestling yeah. is going to be a big factor just because Morales concedes the back foot and allows himself to go towards the cage. I mean, Shane Young is a very, very, in my opinion, a very little threat of a takedown um, compared to a wrestler like Jonathan Pierce. Jonathan Pierce's grappling is such a step above uh, Shane Young, in my opinion, that if Omar was allowing himself to take the back foot and go against the cage against him, I think he's going to he's gonna likely do the same thing here. Um, of course, he could um, game plan properly for this, and he could take front foot and really go after Pierce early, and I think that that is live for him. If he's able to put Pierce on his back foot at all, this is a wrap for Pierce because he's not going to hang with Morales in the stand in a Pierce stand-up game. So it is it in a way it is kind of a binary fight. If if Morales is able to stop the takedowns, he's he's going to win. If he's not, he's going to lose. So I think he's not going to be able to stop them. I like how you kind of pointed to like the game planning and the coaching being important for this fight. We do have two powerhouse gyms going at each other here with Sanford MMA and Fight Ready. So I can't wait to see how that one goes down. Let's keep things moving along here, though, because we got Matt Samuelsberger going up against Martin Sano. Big minus number, obviously, on Samuelsberger, minus 525 against uh, Nick Diaz's best friend, as I like to call it, plus 450 on Martin Sano. I'll actually let you kick this one off, brother. How do you see this one going down? Yeah, I think he's his best friend in drinking, buddy, because um, <laughs> Diaz was definitely getting into some party in the past few years, and it looks like Sano is present for a lot of that. Now, the Sano, bad influence, maybe? <laughs> yeah, I think he's a bit of a bad influence. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Sano, Sano is um, – he doesn't deserve to be in the UFC, in my opinion. He he, he – is there because he is Nick's friend or he's got some incriminating blackmail on Nick Diaz. So he was able to parlay that into a UFC fight. But I think whoever got the early Semmelsberger line did themselves uh, a good favor because the line has been steamed about two and a half dollars. So I think if you got that early minus 300, minus 350 line, I think that you're golden. Semmelsberger is really like a meat and potatoes, boxer, wrestler type of guy. He's reliable. And I did like what he's shown in his past couple fights. I cashed pretty big betting MKO one over Wit. I thought that was a very easy spot. Semmelsberger does have power in both hands. Um, I think here he's going to use his length and just stay upright. Um, Sano, he, he showed not a very... Uh, complex skill set when he was on um, lower level shows uh, prior to this fight. And those fights were about five years ago, I think four or five years ago. So I, I'm not expecting much out of him here. 
So I do think Semmelsberger is a pretty safe parlay piece if you do want to add him to a parlay, though you're not getting much value out of it. So I do always caution with people to go light on your units with a parlay with a big juice like that. I think if you just match Semmelsberger and Valentina and then, you know, another prop or another fighter and, you know, play it small to medium, I think you're in a good spot here because I think Semmelsberger rolls. Yeah, I, I truly agree with everything that you just said there. I think that Samuelsberger is just the much better fighter all around. The interesting thing is he made his pro MMA debut two months after Martin Sano last stepped inside the cage, professionally speaking. Uh, I know he's been in a poolside, as Cody was saying it last night, poolside with Nick Diaz for the last five years, drunk and wrestling and <laughs> grappling and shit with each other. But in terms of professional shit, we're talking about Sano. Uh, 2017, uh, February, if I'm not mistaken, was the last time he actually stepped inside the cage. He does have a recognizable name on his record wall too if you are a huge nerd here jeff neal obviously he beat in 2013 but let's be honest jeff neal probably starts his ass this time around uh, and then dominic waters as well former tough contestant i believe he had a little bit of a stint inside the ufc and he was able to go out there and grapple fuck i believe uh and finished him or no not finished him it was a decision that he was able to defeat him with i think that was three fights ago now for uh three or two fights ago for sano but with that said i truly think that this is almost like a uh, round one KO or bust type of situation for Sano where he does have some good hands uh, or at least power in his hands, maybe not technically speaking, but has that power to actually put out his opponents. Uh, but I think that we'll see Samai the Jedi be very safe here, stay on the outside and then start to open up a little bit later into this fight. I wouldn't even be surprised if he actually puts Sano out. I, I predicted second round knockout. Uh, I really like that spot. The over-under is actually set at one and a half, so people are actually expecting a lot of violence in this fight. I think the under was about plus 100 so um i'd maybe look at the under two and a half just in case semi just tries to play a little bit safe early just so he can get a feel of I what would. this guy right what this guy has been doing or what he's going to bring to the table what he might have acquired over the last three and a half years other than a shitty liver you know who knows <laughs> i i do like what uh but i do like samuelsberger man i was a little bit bummed that he actually lost his last fight to uh chaos williams but williams is definitely exceeding my expectations of what he was uh what he's able to do with his mma game so great performance for him to go out there and beat samuelsberger over 15 minutes but i do think that we see a better samuelsberger this time around worth the chalk in my opinion and yeah if you're talking about a parlay piece i think he's worthy of a parlay piece in this fight as well too all right let's move on to the next fight here another 209 team diaz protege we got nick maximov going up against short notice cody brundage uh in terms of odds uh crazy line movement all week so nick yeah. maximov opened up minus 350 now the fight's a pick em. I, I recorded my breakdown crazy. yesterday for this fight i recorded my breakdown yesterday for this fight and uh it was like minus 155 for maximov so when i got around to editing it today all my lines are fucked up i can't go back and re-record <laughs> it now so when people see my my solo podcast they're gonna be like why is he saying minus 155 when the fucking graphic says minus 150 that's why there's a lot of love for cody brundage out there obviously i call him mr abc the 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 husband of uh, amanda bobby cooper who used to also fight in the ufc he did have a short stint or one fight on the contender series where he was uh you know going up against william knight trying to get the takedown and uh, he yeah. had a decent position uh and then i think it was herb dean who kind of told him like you got to improve your position you got to do something and as soon as he started to do that william knight just fucking went ape shit on yeah. him and then just absolutely finished him and got him out of there obviously both guys grapple heavy approaches right 
I'd say Brundage a little bit more with the wrestling and Maximov obviously a little bit more with the jujitsu. I ultimately think it's going to come down to the gas tank here. Uh, I'm not super impressed with what Brundage brings to the table in terms of his gas tank. I do like what Maximov does, um, but I think it's ultimately going to be that jujitsu of Maximov that's going to be the difference maker in this fight. Brundage might have some early success, but we, me and you both know if you have a, re a wrestling heavy approach, you got to have a really good gas tank to back that up, especially if you're not going to be able to finish your opponents early. We see Brundage does have some finishes earlier on in his career, uh, you know, early with some submissions and some TKOs, but I think it's going to be a lot harder to lock something up against a guy like Maximov in this situation. I'm not, I'm not high on either side here. I am picking Maximov. My official prediction was Maximov via round three submission. I think he ultimately weathers that early storm from Brundage and then eventually gets him out of there late in this fight. Uh, but again, I, I want to see him. Like, this is easily his toughest fight to date. He's just fighting very cans on the regional scene that he's submitting really quickly. Uh, but now we're going to see him go up against a legitimate competitor here in Cody Brundage. I am still on the Maximov side. I'm hoping that you can bring some, uh, some solid points here for Brundage and interested to see who you're actually predicting to win this fight. So lay it on me, brother. Yeah, so this is probably the messiest fight of the night, and that's saying a lot for this card because there are some pretty messy fights. But Brundage, short notice. Maximov, very green. Even Brundage, you can say, very green. These are two very young in their career fighters, and we don't know a whole lot about either. Now, on the Brundage side, I will say that in his last fight, he did stand quite a bit with his opponent. It looked like he transitioned to trying to be more of a boxer wrestler as opposed to a wrestle first uh, fighter and look for those submissions. So I do expect him to actually do that in this fight where he's going to try to keep the fight standing and try and box with Maximov. Now, we don't know much about Maximov's hands, so that's kind of the big question mark here. Whereas with Brundage, I compare his, his stand-up game to sort of uh, Ian Heinish, which isn't a huge positive. However, when you're going against somebody who is so um, resistant to standing up with a fighter that he's willing to shoot takedowns from distances because he doesn't want to engage, I think that that's a positive sign in the favor of Brundage. Now, I do think that a point you brought up is the cardio issues. I do think, given the fact that Brundage is on short notice, though he was training for a contender series fight, so he's in decent enough shape. Um, though, again, I will say he didn't look the best at weigh-ins, in my opinion. Um, I do think cardio will probably be in Maximov's favor. However, uh, I don't think he's like a workhorse himself either. It's not anything exceptional to the point where I'm terribly scared. I think the value has evaporated off of Brundage at this point. And if you're going to pick a side, you probably should pick Maximov. I did lock in a play um, pretty early on the Brundage line. I did 1.5 units at plus 200, which is a pretty crazy line in my opinion. Yeah. I might arb off and take some profits or a free play. I'm still determining. But I do think at this point um, it is uh, Maximov or pass just given the grappling, uh, the late notice, and the conditioning. Yeah, I definitely do want to shout out the snipers out there, including yourself, who were able to get Brundage. Anything better than like plus 175, plus 180? I think you got a decent line there considering the matchup that we have at hand uh, tomorrow night. Uh, but yeah, th this closer to minus 140-ish for Maximov is kind of where I, where I thought it would settle. I really didn't think it would get to the point where it's almost flipping. But it's that going. I wouldn't be surprised if it might flip by tomorrow. It uh, might. By fight time. Yeah. 
right? So we, we almost have le like less than 24 hours still until the fight actually goes off. So who knows how much more uh, that line is going to drive the other way. Maybe some people have that FOMO and seeing that line move as much as it is and they try to jump in on Brundage, but they might be burning themselves and not getting the value that they actually need to, to make it a good bet, essentially. Really quick here too, don't you just get the feeling that it's very likely Brundage has a good first round? He stays up. I do. He's able to box. So I do think that this is a live betting opportunity. If if folks at home are sensing that Brundage is slowing down, I do think that this is a live betting opportunity to kind of get out of that pre-fight uh, Brundage money and move into some profits if, if you start to get concerned. Because based on what I saw with his last fight, his stand-up is not special. But I did like the way he was wizarding off of takedown attempts. I do think he's a solid wrestler. So um, I think early on when they're fresh, he, he could have a solid five minutes. Yeah, I do want to shout out my guy Blades here, who's saying that this could be a DraftKings kind of fight. I'm not actually 100% sure whether he's talking about the Medich or the Turner fight or, or this fight specifically, because there's a lot of chatter about the Medich fight in the chat section, which we're going to get to in a second here. But yeah, betting-wise, it's, it's very difficult to say that you have a huge edge, unless, again, you got in early and got that plus 180 uh, on Brundage here. Uh, but I feel like we're spending a little bit too much time on that specific yeah. fight here, where we have way more uh, you know, knowledge and way more comfortability talking about these next fights so let's just get into this next one here we got Urosh Medic going up against Jalen Turner in terms of odds we're looking at minus 120 for Medic and plus 100 is the return on Jalen Turner um I actually have a, a very confident spot on this fight but I'll actually let you kick it off in terms of the breakdown for this fight specifically who do you like between these two it's obviously outside of Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler it seems like the fight that's been talked about the most at least from the streams and videos and chat and timeline everything that I've been seeing People calling Rosh Medic a fraud. People calling Rosh Medic the the truth. Where do you uh, side with Medic, and then ultimately, who do you, ultimately who do you see seeing uh, winning this fight? Too early to tell. I mean, Medic, we just don't have a lot of tape on him. He has a, a boxing pedigree or a kickboxing pedigree, um, so he does have some experience. He has been training for for quite a long time. He he does hail from the famed uh, Alaska FC scene, so. <laughs> That's usually a, a giant red, red, red flag on any fighter. Um, and I think on the tape in those fights, you did see some red flags. You saw that he, he can end up on his back. Um, you saw that he is a, a first round burst type of fighter. And then he he's, tends to run out of ideas. Though I will say that he's now at a really strong uh, camp under uh, Cordero. And he's got some really solid training partners. I mean, he's training with uh, Benil Dariush. They're posting on Instagram that they're doing rounds together. I mean, that's a that's a really good stable of fighters. And from everything I see with the guy, he's he is taking his opportunity very seriously. So on the Jalen side, I do like Jalen's game. Um, however, I am uh, a little hesitant because of his defense. He has some pretty poor defensive tendencies um so i do think that medic um his win condition um is live in the first round so i opted to take uh fight goes doesn't go the distance um i got a really crappy line i got minus 200 it's way better now you can do under two two and a half for like minus 140 i think that's crazy value in my opinion um 
I do think of Jalen more proactively wrestled, then I'd be all over him in this spot because he is a very solid brown belt. And I do think he could submit Medich. And I think down the stretch, if he does survive that that round one blitz, I would look to live bet Jalen Turner. Um, I do think it'd be pretty safe down the stretch. And I think there's there's a extremely high possibility if he survives that that first round that he finishes uh, Medich in a later round. You took the words pretty much right out of my mouth. I, I really like that. And the bet that you made, I like that bet too. I like that fight doesn't go to decision. Uh, I think I had cool bet, which I was going to be placing the bet on shortly here. Uh, minus 190 is currently what I'm seeing. I still like that line. Uh, I truly believe that uh, Medici is going to be a first round or plus kind of guy here. Uh, it seems like with these guys, when, when they go out there and have a very successful early MMA career, finishing guys quickly. They, they just get so comfortable with it until they take that first L. And then after that is when they really decide to start making the changes. Uh, you know, I, I'm not saying that that's what he's doing here. Uh, obviously, he's moved his training camp down to Kings MMA over the last couple of fights, and it's obviously paying off for him. Uh, but I, I still believe that, like, a, a guy that comes to mind is Randy Costa. Another guy who similarly yeah. had a very similar like early MMA career where he's just starching dudes and then comes to the UFC and when he's not able to start somebody, he gets finished in the second round. And I think that we might, we might see that here. You brought up a good point in terms of Turner's lack of striking defense at times, and that does give me pause. So instead of playing you know Turner at that plus money, which I kind of like, I am still predicting him to win this fight, I feel much more safer with that fight doesn't go to decision because it does ultimately cover that Uros-Medich uh, early finish, which could absolutely happen in this fight don't get me wrong but i do think we see turner survive that start dragging this fight to the ground in the second round and putting that brown belt uh to to used uh the the submission prop for turner is very nice too i've seen around plus 700 plus 800 gotta take a little bit of a sprinkle of that uh considering that you know just from what we've seen from medic on the ground not that impressive man he has survived against lower level of competition but once you start taking those steps up in competition it's not going to be that easy for you and that one fight that he did go into the second round got bailed out there man in my opinion like yeah. i still feel like yeah. <laughs> i feel like anybody yeah. better than that guy that he's facing would have finished him that fight so yeah again people can believe and talk about all the hype around medic obviously seven and oh finishing all of his opponents he can talk all the shit that he wants but until he fights somebody that's going to be able to take that shot and then keep keep on chugging, you know, he can say everything that he wants. Is is Jalen Turner going to be that guy? We just don't know yet. You know what I mean? That striking defense is a little bit too questionable for me, which is why I really like that fight doesn't go to decision instead. I wish they actually put the total at two and a half rather than one and a half. So the bookmakers are definitely onto something here. There are some alternate one and a half. There are alternate lines, yeah. correct? Yeah, but which is why I, I would rather still take that extra two and a half minutes and take that fight doesn't go to decision. I uh, again, minus 200-ish, minus 190-ish. I think you're still getting some good value there considering what kind of fighters we're getting in this situation. So my official prediction is going to be Turner. Are you picking Turner or are you picking uh, picking Medich here? I'm going to pick uh, Turner in rounds two or three. Yeah. Perfect. Like it, I like it. A fight doesn't go to decision. It's probably yeah. the the way to go here. All right, let's move yeah. on to the next fight. Here we got Roxanne Modafari going up against Kyla Santos. Heavy chalk once again, as there is usually in every single Roxanne Modafari fight. Minus four ten on Tyler Santos and plus three sixty five on Roxanne Modafari. And Tyler Santos is one of those fighters that's like the prime example of people just saying, "Oh, she sucks," and then 
now look at her kind of thing, right? Like she goes out there, you know, uh, blows it as a minus 225 favorite against Mara Romero Barella in her UFC debut, uh, and then comes back in 30-26s her next two opponents and Jillian Robertson and Molly McCann, happy to cash Tyler Santos to run plus 180 against Molly McCann as well, too. I felt really, really damn good about that one. But uh, in terms of how she stacks up against Montefiore here, a bit of a binary fight to break down, right? You want to keep the fight on the feet. You really want to uh, get your striking going. And even if she does get the top uh, position against Roxanne Montefiore here, I do think she can dish out a good enough good enough amount of damage uh, and stay away from any type of submission threat or reversal attempts from Roxanne here. Roxanne, she's never going to change, right? She's always going to have that robotic striking style. But the one thing that she seems to be doing well over her last several fights is kind of just pushing the pace, just waning forward, relying on her durability, knowing she's going to eat shots, but just put her paws on her opponents and try to drag them to the ground. But I think that we're going to see some good work here from Tyler Santos in terms of crisp straight shots down the middle to keep her on the outside, let her hands go. And if they do get scuffled up in some sort of clinch or grappling situation, I don't think it's you know a complete you know, uh, right off that uh, Roxanne Manafari is actually going to drag this fight to the ground. I think we'll see some good fight from Santos in terms of being able to keep this fight upright. Um, Alex Santos, you got to give uh, the credit to Roxanne in terms of her durability. So I'm ultimately going to take Santos via decision in this spot. I think it's around minus 130, minus 150. Obviously much better than that minus 410 line. And if there's anybody that's going to spoil a parlay, it's probably going to be Roxanne Modafari. So I'm, I, personally, I'm not going to uh, shell out that minus 400 here for uh, Santos, but I might sprinkle that decision line because I think that uh, Modafari will see that 15-minute mark, but it will be Santos who gets her hand raised. Who do you like here? Yeah, I'm just going to kind of echo what you said. There's there's a few fights on this card where where there's really not much to say, right? If if Roxy ends up on top, then she's good. I just don't think she has the physicality at this point. She's 39 years old. Um, Santos has looked good at fishing for underhooks in her previous fights. So I just think unless Roxy has some really creative takedowns planned that we haven't seen before, and she has... Um, a really, um, I guess, opportunistic uh, jitsu uh, game plans for this this spot to submit Santos. I just largely see this as a fight where Santos can bully her way to a, a 30-27, maybe even a 30-26 decision, depending on how violent she feels. I don't think she's going to finish the fight unless it's like a cut or something. So I, I do like your idea of not parlaying the money line here and 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 using the decision prop instead but i think at this point it's it should be mostly a stay away fight because there's just better spots on the card yeah i picked the or i believe i bet the under two and a half when santos went up against jillian robertson last time around i'm like I if too. robertson's not yeah if robertson's not able to establish that top control or get a submission santos should absolutely butcher on the feet and then we just get her kind of just riding her on top and just landing some good shots and kind of control so uh yeah if robertson's gonna survive 15 minutes here with santos i feel like roxanne will do a good enough job in terms of nullifying ultimate damage that she's going to be taking from santos in this spot it, it, man, that one hurt. That one hurt when when we did. That was brutal. <laughs> yeah. I I actually had I I think I had a pretty sizable bet on betting unders on uh, Robertson in that fight, and then the previous fight, I think she fought Botello. Uh, um, yes, that one was very. That one was that very frustrating. I was on that killed team. me. That yeah, because Botello did nothing to get back to her feet. She <laughs> no. just she was happy with just staying on her no. back. And Jillian's <laughs> like looked like she was trying to like tape a arm bar instructional there but would never finishing the arm bar so you yeah know what that it was? killed it's, me 
it, it, it was the fact that Botelho just didn't want to stand up didn't give any openings for Robertson to really get any type of jujitsu going yeah, on, right? Really so tight. Exactly. Yeah, that, yeah. That was the issue there in my uh, opinion. But if you want to talk about bad fight, doesn't go to decisions that don't cash. Talk about last week with fucking Jackson and Bays. Good God. I still can't believe that one did. I, I didn't have any money on that one, but that, that oh, was, I was heavy brutal. on that man. I, I was watching that with casuals, my, my family <laughs> from Arizona, I was visiting them. And honestly, like there were like three or four family members there watching. They were like, how have they not stopped this fight? This guy's getting its ass whooped. I couldn't give him any answers. Who was the ref? Was that Tyone or Herb Dean? Or was that Mark Smith? I feel Smith? like it was Dean. I feel like it was, or it, was it might've been Mark Smith. It was either Herb Dean or Mark Smith. But oh, uh, it, it was that, it was goddamn that fucking Kimura lock that uh, JP Bays kept holding on to and Montel yeah. Jackson just couldn't get out of. Yeah. I'm like, oh, damn, man, that was such Brutal. a piss off. All right, let's uh, that, yeah, I, I don't even want to relive that nightmare right now. Let's move on to the next fight. We got Shamil Abdurahimov going up against Chris Dacus, uh, minus 200 on Dacus and plus 170 on Abdurahimov. I'll let you kick this one off, brother. How do you feel about this heavyweight scrap? Uh, no play for me yet, but I do think the value is pretty heavily on Shamil's side at this point. Um, it's a tough one for me to to judge because Shamil, he's pulled out of a lot of fights. I know they were for COVID reasons. He's 40 years old. Um, you've got Dawkins who for the first time ever is training full time. He retired as a police officer. So he got a full real camp in. And I like what I see from Dawkins. I think for heavyweight, having speed and being able to throw um, combinations, uh, you know, extend your combination. I mean, he's throwing five, six, seven punch combinations sometimes. That's the type of stuff that really works at, at heavyweight. I mean, that was Fedor's bread and butter back in the day was just extending the exchanges. And I think Dawkins finds a lot of success with that. Now, there are some cardio questions with Dawkins. He did gas in uh, a regional fight where no disrespect. I mean, the guy was trying to finish his opponent and he had his opponent dead in round one and he just happened to gas himself out as, as not a full-time fighter. So we don't really know what version of Dacus we're going to get here. And we don't really know what version of Shamil we're going to get here. The striking dynamic is going to be Shamil staying pretty long because that's how he fights. He is, he is a more conventional boxer. And then Dacus looking for his moments to just blitz. Now, the ground advantage would go in Shamil's favor because he does have the size advantage, and I would give him a wrestling advantage. But I think the fight is going to largely stay standing. Um, yeah, I think if you're going to bet this fight, bet Shamil. And I am looking at betting, uh, possibly taking a share of Shamil just to have some action on the fight. But but no play right now. Uh, I'm actually going to be on the opposite side here. I do like Dawkins. Obviously, Dawkins by KO is always live. Plus 120 is what his line currently is at. Uh, in terms of his cardio issues, I feel as though he's one guy that you see legitimately going out there and trying to fix it, right? You, he he looks physically in so much better shape than he did mm -hmm. on the regional scene, and he continues to look better every time we see him out there, right? From his Parker Porter fight to his Alexa Linick fight, you can see a clear difference, and it feels like he's really trying to shore that part of his game up and then even leveling up his striking game every every single fight too, right? Like you said, combinations is not something you see often in heavyweight fights because guys just want to go out there and knock you out with one punch. But that precision, combinations, and the speed of his hands, I think is just such a, a problem for a lot of his opponents. And I think it's going to be a problem here for Shamil as well. I think Shamil, obviously 40 years old, 
two-ish years outside of the cage now, having to deal with a punctured lung. I believe he had a couple fights ago, if, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, COVID, all that type of shit. Uh, I think he's going to struggle in terms of getting his his grappling game going successfully here. Like, I think he's going to struggle to to get Darkus to the ground and close that distance because I think that Darkus will be able to kind of stick and move, stick and move, let his combinations go, and then kind of make Shamil timid in terms of closing the distance in the spot. Don't get me wrong, though. Shamil has some big power in his hands, too. Obviously, we saw that in the Chase Sherman fight where he was able to knock him out there. So he definitely throws with some big shots, and Dawkins is definitely going to have to be on or minding his P's and Q's in terms of staying away from those big shots. But I think we just... We, we just continuously see an improvement here. I like the slow progression that they're giving him as well, not just throwing him in there with, you know, a top five guy after starching a couple guys here. Um, and I think that's something that he needs. That's something that Aspinall needs. And they're doing it perfectly in terms of grooming these guys and getting them into that uh, top five, top 10 uh, range. <clears throat> I will say something that I want to bring up that I heard from uh, from Ariel talk about, I believe, last week. He's talking about how matchmakers, uh, I think it was Joe Silva, who said that they're not in the business of making champions. They're in the business of making contenders. And this this is a prime example of trying to create a contender in uh, in Christakis and just slowly building him to get to that point. Uh, but again stylistically speaking, I think his hand speed and his boxing is going to be a little bit too much for Shamil to deal with here. And if he can stay away from that grappling, I think he finds that knockout within the first or second round of this fight. My official prediction was Dawkins round one KO. Um, but uh, maybe I'm I'm not giving enough credence here to Shamil Abdurrahimov, who has cash tickets for me in the past. I, I, I'm not low on him by any means, but I just think with his age, how slow he is at times, I think he's going to find himself in trouble here with the much faster and more crisp uh, uh, Chris Dawkins. Chris Dawkins? Yeah, what am I talking about? Yeah. I, I don't know why I said Kyle Dawkins for, <laughs> for a second, <laughs> his brother. Uh, but yeah, I like Chris Dawkins in this position. Plus 120 knockout. That's what I'll probably be sprinkling in this fight. If it, since you are picking Shamil though, how do you see him actually winning this fight? Uh, so I, I think the value is on, on Shamil, but I think probably, um, I don't know, man, it's a really tough one to call. I think it's either going to be August round one or two, um, or, um, I think Shamil by decision. I don't think he's going to finish Dawkins. Um, I think it'll be a grapple fuck if anything, if he wins. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's the big question. There's so many question marks with the fight. Like you said, the gauge, the layoff, and then with Dawkins, the gas tank, the grappling. I mean, he doesn't have the best takedown defense. We've seen him get taken down on regionals, but, you know, he's working really hard on his skills right now. But also uh, speed versus power. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of what-ifs here. I think maybe official prediction for me will be uh, Dawkins round one or two knockout. And I kind of hope he does too because I want to see fresh – fresh talent in the division getting their boost you know and i like doctors he's cashed me big tickets i got him versus nasi manto and versus parker nice. porter so yeah good guy shout out parker porter uh all right let's move on to the next one here <laughs> we got dan hooker going up against nazrat hack for us a very very fun fight here uh, minus 145 on Hooker, plus 125 is return on Nazareth. And good God, both of these guys on the skills this morning look like they didn't have any troubles all week considering what the fuck they had mm -hmm. to go through, visa issues and just landing, uh, you know, less than 12 hours before they're actually supposed to weigh in or something like that. Absolutely crazy the amount of professionalism we're seeing with these two guys, and I can't wait, the, wait for them to throw down in the cage tomorrow. Uh, 
the the spot that I'm looking at in this fight is the violence bet. I, I like the under two and a half here. I I think the diminishing durability of Hooker mixed in with the power that Mazrat brings to the table here, and obviously his possible durability issues as well. Um, I, I think it's going to put together some sort of chaotic mess that we're going to see for maybe one or two rounds. But I think that we'll get a finish within those first two rounds, regardless of who it is. I do lean ever so slightly on the Nazrat side of things. Uh, he's very good in terms of closing distance, landing big shots. Uh, and really just finding that chin of his opponents. I know he's only really knocked out, uh, jo uh, what's his name, Joaquin Silva uh, in the UFC to this point, but he's pretty much gotten a knockdown in almost all of his fights with the exception, I believe, of two of those. Um, has big power in his hands. Obviously, Hooker taking an insurmountable amount of damage in his last three fights, um, and then obviously getting knocked out last time by Michael Chandler. I just I think it's a recipe for a disaster in terms of him, uh, you know, just, just taking the amount of damage he's taken and then going up against a heavy power puncher like Nazra Hackfrast. Uh, skill for skill, don't get me wrong. Hooker blows him out of the water. I think he's a much better technical striker, has way more weapons that he can utilize here against Nazra. Even his jujitsu game is kind of underrated in my opinion. But I think that if this fight stays standing, it's just a matter of time before Nazra finds that chin and then he finds that sweet spot and puts him down and then eventually puts him out. Uh, so my official prediction is actually Nazrat by first round KO, but the play that I like the most is actually the under two and a half around that plus 100, plus 110 mark, because I truly believe we're going to see some violence in this spot. Are you with me on the violence? And then ultimately, who do you think uh, wins this fight? Uh, I don't mind the violence bet because I do think that both guys have shown, um, I guess, less so on the – I'm less worried about – it's funny. I'm less worried about Hooker's gym than I am about Nasrat's personally. Um, Hooker has shown the ability to take a lot of damage in his career. And I think this fight does boil down to if or if Hooker cannot – take the punishment anymore if i had to bet i would say that he can and i think the chandler fight was an anomaly i did cash a nice bet on chandler ko1 there um because chandler has really quick speed and big power i mean he drops nearly everybody in every single one of his fights so i wasn't that surprised by that outcome now hooker has such a depth to his game that nasrat lacks that makes me think that this line is short in the favor of Hooker. I took Hooker minus 145. Um, I think that he can kick. I think he can keep his punches straight. He can circle, and he can even look to land takedowns. He he took Dustin Poirier down. Um, Nasrat really hasn't had too many challenging fights with wrestlers. He only had his debut where he was taken down at will. No disrespect to him because it was, I believe, a short notice fight. And I do believe that, um, uh, well, he was fighting Held. I mean, Held's a great, uh, great wrestler, uh, judo guy. Um, now, um, in this spot, though, I, I do think that um, unless Hapcrest, I actually think Hapcrest is um, KO or bust for me, actually. I think that that Hooker can uh, tune him up. Uh, at multiple levels of, of the game. Um, and that's no disrespect to Hapkaras because I do like his boxing. I do like his speed. And I do like the way he turns over on his punches. I just think he allows minutes of the fight to slip away from him. We've seen it several times now. Even in the Joaquin uh, Silva fight, he, um, he did let some minutes slip away. Garcia, he let minutes slip away. So I think just a really tried and true, tested vet um, like Hooker is going to really um, chip away.
Adam and win the fight. Violence bet though, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. No, I absolutely yeah. agree with you in the in the assessment of the Nazrat being K or a bust in this situation. I don't think there's anybody that can say that Hooker is not the better mineral winner in this fight. I absolutely agree in that with that sense. It's almost like a uh almost betting like a Derek Lewis fight, right? When you're betting Derek Lewis, yeah. you're just hoping that he lands that big bunch. And I think with all the ingredients we have for this fight, we're actually gonna see Nazrat find that chin and pull Hooker down in this fight. I will more than I hope not. be backing the under. <laughs> you, you hope not. Yeah, exactly. For that minus 145 that you got yeah. going on. But uh, that, yeah. that under two and a half is probably what I'm going to be looking to, to pinpoint here. I do think we'll see a finish no matter what side it comes from. I think that Hulker has tremendous skill when it comes to the striking game. It's just if that one punch uh, comes through, it, it could potentially change his night. And then even on the reverse, he could put a beating on Nazar Akbras and get him out of there too because his striking Possible. is uh, phenomenal as well. All right. Let's move on to the prelim headliner here. A very fun fight. We got Marlon Omarais going up against Marab Devalishvili. We got minus uh, 235 now on Marab Devalishvili and plus 215 or plus 200, sorry, on Marlon Omarais. I'll actually let you kick this one off, brother. Who do you like in this uh, bad weight scrap? Scary fight, in my opinion. I do think that Marab is probably 70-75% as far as a, a minute winner here, a round winner in this fight. Um, Marais definitely has cardio issues. This is well documented at this point, and he struggled in his last few fights. Um, now, those fights were stylistically a lot different than this fight, so I guess we're going to see a different look of Marais. I think people are getting maybe a little bit too bullish on parlaying, uh, endlessly parlaying Marab or, or staking, you know, 20% of the bankroll on Marab. I think it's it's kind of a, a bit too uh, risky, in my opinion. Marab's stand-up, despite the fact that I keep hearing that it looked to prove last fight, I actually didn't like what I saw. I saw a guy who's very tense. He had really bad timing in the first two rounds. Um, and he even got wobbled by a jab from Cody Stamen. So that to me is a giant red flag. Now, my official prediction is obviously going to be a Marab unanimous decision. I think he's going to out-wrestle, out-condition, um, and just put a real hard attritional pace on Marais and win that decision. But am I really going to the window to try and put a lot of money on, on Rob, this isn't the spot for me. He, his line is too far gone at this point. Um, shout out to Danny Lags. He had a great line that he posted up earlier this week. He had the uh, KO decision, Rob, at minus 135. If anybody has access to that still, I think you're getting the preponderance of the value that you would get on Marab, um, but just not his submission uh, price, which he's not going to submit Marab's so that's a really good line um but outside of that it's it's a pass for me i think the only submission we'll see in that fight is if it's like a tko or a submission due to strikes like where marab is just fucking hammering him and even then marais is not the type of guy that's going to be i don't happen so. to strikes right uh no yeah. i absolutely agree with you here i think that people might be a little bit too bullish on marab in this spot i've always been waiting for that one guy that has enough technical abilities and cardio 
and be the better striker than Marab and can actually deal with that grapple heavy approach and maybe nullify the takedown attempts. That's the guy that I'm waiting on to fade Marab with, but we're not getting that with Marisha. We know that his gas tank just severely diminishes around that six or seven minute mark, and that's where Marab really should start to take over. That's where the power is really going to start to diminish for Marais as well. I do think that Marab is quite hittable, um, which is why I took a very, I think it was like a half unit poke that I took on Dotson by KO when he fought Dotson just to, you know, just in case he could find, oh, find that punch, but he he just ultimately couldn't. And Marab is an absolute monster. He is a machine for a reason. And uh, I think he's, he's going to be able to ass. do the same thing. He's an absolute pain in the ass, man. He's very tough. There's a reason he gets 20, 25 takedowns or whatever the fuck it is yeah. in, in a fucking fight because he's just a pain in the ass, a thorn in your back, right? Like he can just always put it on you no matter what. The guy has insane cardio. So I can't, uh, I can't wait to see his progression. Uh, I will say though, if you are heavy on Marab here, I wouldn't bat an eye at anybody hedging with the Marais round one plus eight hundred or Marais KO plus six fifty, as you could definitely do much better in in hedging opportunities. But those are probably Marais's best win conditions in this fight. The one thing that's really puzzling to me is how much of a drop off we've seen from Marais since coming to the UFC compared to what he used to do in the WSOF and even earlier in the UFC, right? Uh, are you are you laughing based on what I'm, I'm thinking laughing because you? because because you're puzzled why I think we both know why <laughs> where where's that uh, who is it John Oliver that that gif with the fucking needles <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I mean Marais Marais definitely had a little bit of magic to help <laughs> oh line of the podcast right there i love it i love it i love it uh but yeah no uh i i, I believe that me and sean are both on the same side here with um rob and yes absolutely shout out to danny legs even uh john uh uh brought it up uh, for the prop show that i did yesterday with cody but that was one of his three best bets is marab by ko or decision at minus 130 so best value you're going to get on marab by uh by any mm -hmm. means so if you do have access to those double chance props please do take a poke on that because that's probably the best way to go about it all right let's move on to the main card here uh and before i do so i always want to remind you guys make sure you guys hit that like hit that subscribe so shout out to the 165 live viewers that we currently have if you guys want to follow sean i do have his twitter linked in the description below so you guys can just click that link hit a follow because i promise you'll get some mma goodness and if i'm not mistaken some nft goodness as well right i know oh. you're really deep into that game as well are you not <laughs> uh i'm just touching i'm touching down right now i'm following the goat uh john stargarian who's my <laughs> my my nft uh he's my sensei so i'm dabbling <laughs> right now i'm getting i'm getting really into it um yeah i was more of a traditional market type of guy and john has really sucked me into the to the nft game and it's a lot of fun yeah no, for sure. So if you guys want some NFT and some MMA uh, banter, make sure you guys go follow Sean. Or All right, let's get to the main card here. We got Jessica Andrade going up against Cynthia Calvillo. Minus 210 now on Jessica Andrade. And uh, we're seeing roughly around, what is that, uh, plus 180-ish, plus 190 on Cynthia Calvillo. I'll kick this one off. I'm a big fan of Cynthia Calvillo. I've cashed tickets on her in the past. Um, I've obviously faded her the last time around against Catelyn Jagagian and a ridiculous line where she was around like minus 225, minus 230 against Jagagian really didn't make any sense to me there. Uh, 
good, decent wrestler. I'm not going to say great wrestler, decent wrestler, really good jujitsu. Obviously, I think she's one of the more skilled women in this 125 pound division when it comes to the jujitsu and when she's able to get that top position. Uh, but I think she's really going to struggle against Jessica Andrade here. I think Andrade will be able to nullify that grapple heavy approach from Calvio. And even if Calvio wants to go out there and put on like a, a Courtney Casey type performance where she tries to go out there and outstrike her uh, just off of volume and off of outpointing her, I still think that even if she lands more significant strikes or whatever the fuck it may be, the damage that Jessica Andrade is going to dish out is going to be more optically appealing to the judges here. And I think that's what the judges are going to see is Jessica Andrade marching her down, landing these big shots. I don't think she'll finish her. I'm going to give Calvio the benefit of the doubt here. I do think she has some good durability and she should be able to take some big shots here. She was hurt, you know, ever so slightly by Marina Rodriguez when she had fought her a couple fights ago. But uh, I, I do think she'll be able to take whatever Andrade is bringing to the table here. I like Andrade. I like Andrade by decision, which I think is wrong. Uh, actually, I think it was plus money the last time I saw it. I'm just quickly pull like that up. Plus one twenty. Yeah, Andrade. Well, according to Five Dimes, is plus one seventy five for Andrade to win by decision, which I think wow. is a, a little bit crazy of a line. I got to take a little bit of Five a shot dimes. on that. Come on. Yeah, I know. I wish I had access. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's see the other the other uh, the the other bookies that we are plus one eighty plus one forty at certain places that I'm seeing as well. So yeah, close, let's say average of plus one forty plus one fifty is what you're going to get on Drudge by decision. That's what I like, man. I really like on in this spot. Um, officially, I don't have a play on her. Unofficially, I'm going to probably have her in a couple uh, DGen parlays as I do think she'll bring some decent enough value uh, to, to a parlay here. How do you feel about Calvio and Andrade in the spot? And do you think there's any value on the underdog here? Uh, so, so my best bet for this fight is goes the distance. I got that at minus 110. I think you can get it still like minus 120, minus 125 still. Um, I do agree exactly with your sentiment here. I, I don't think Calvio is going to be a good enough wrestler to impose any kind of a grappling game plan here. And I do think that this is going to be largely a stand-up fight. Now, there is some concern for the Andrade side where Calvio could get off on some volume. She is sound defensively for the most part during her UFC career. So she could technically... Um, move around and stick and move, go body head like she usually does, and, and try and frustrate Andrade. However, I do agree with you that um, Andrade is going to land the more meaningful shots. Calvillo is susceptible to Andrade's game because of the way she, she boxes. Um, Andrade really likes to do that kind of bob and weave uh, and throw big hooks. Um, Calvillo will be susceptible to that game. Um, the Calvillo decision line tempts me more than the Andrade decision line personally because it's like plus 400 plus 485 yeah. on some books. Um, so for me, I played goes the distance and then I took a small poke at uh, Calvillo decision just because I think that there is a path here um, for her to to use her boxing and movement to avoid a fight and really try and make this technical Though my official prediction is going to be um, Andrade by decision. I think that's the likeliest outcome. It's probably about 60-40 here for me, 65-35%. Um, I like it. I like it. All right. Let's keep the train moving along because we got a heavyweight scrap coming up next year between Curtis Blades, who's sitting at minus 305 and plus 265, plus 275 is a return on Jarzino Rosenstrike here. I have... 
just so much trauma when I talk about Curtis Blades yeah. because I backed him against Francis Ngannou the second time, backed him pretty heavily against Derek Lewis. Uh, inside the distance, I backed him. I wasn't going to play that minus 435 straight, but God damn, man. It was just, he was looking damn good in that first round. And, you know, I didn't mind what I saw in terms of his striking there. You know, he knew he had to uh, play on the feet a little bit and, and then eventually bring in that takedown. But once that second round started, it seemed like he just had this thing in the back of his head where he's like, okay, I got to get the takedown now. And he kind of got away from that striking that he was doing in that first round. Um, and then I'm sure he learned his lesson in terms of not shooting on the power side of your opponent <laughs> and running right into an uppercut. Rather, let's try to shoot on the weak side. Uh, and I'm sure that's a lesson that's going to stick with him forever now, uh, especially after losing a, a fight like that, which was probably a title shot for him too, if yeah. he had won that fight, right? So um, uh, very binary fight to break down. Blades needs the takedown here or... He could potentially do what he did in the first round against Lewis, right? Just play on the outside for a bit. It didn't look that bad because, again, Jorginho Rosenstrike, low volume. Yeah, he's a big hitter, has some big power, but I just don't know if he's going to be able to find that chin of Blades in this spot. I do think we'll see a much better game plan from Blades this time around, but it will ultimately end up with him getting the takedown, and then I think we'll see a, a finish quickly thereafter, man. His, his ground and pound when he's in a good position, even if it's fucking full guard, he's going to be able to smash your head through the through the canvas. I think he did it with Shamil. He definitely did it to Overeem. I think he could do the same thing here to Rosa Strike as well. Uh, very cheeky bet here also. I believe it. I want to shout out John, who was the one that kind of tipped me off to it. Plus 1,000 on Blades to win by submission. It seems like Blades more so goes for the ground and pound than actually looking for a submission here. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him potentially maybe change up his game a little bit to try to secure a victory. Maybe not blow his wad uh, trying to go for a ground and pound, but maybe try to set up an arm triangle choke or something like that because he's just so goddamn good from that top position. Does Rosenstrike have a chance to win this fight? He's KO or bust. Let's be honest. He's not going to win minutes here against uh, against Blades. And if he knocks him down, more than likely he's going to knock him out. So uh, either you take Rosenstrike in inside the distance and try to get the most juice out of that squeeze, uh, or you just take Blades. And even Blades inside the distance, plus 120-ish, I don't think is too bad of a line either. So I'm on the Blades side. Am I going to parlay him? I don't think so. I think every time I put him into a parlay, I just get this flashing red light in my in my head. Where I'm just like, okay, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, but I do think he wins this fight. And I, I think he wins this fight pretty handily as well. How do you feel about this heavyweight matchup? Yeah. I mean, I, I lost like easily over $1,000 on Blades <laughs> versus Lewis between the pre-fight side and then live betting it because the line just kept creeping more in Lewis's and I didn't know what people were seeing. I saw a guy in Lewis that was basically on one leg because Blades was chipping away at his leg. And yeah. I just figured, yeah, Blades was going to finish him. But I digress. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the This fight, I mean, like most Blades fights, I do think it is favorite or pass. Um, Blades is such a more technical fighter than Jarzinho. Um, Jarzinho doesn't really have much of a ground game at all. Um, so I do think if Blades ends up on top, I do think he's live for a finish. He is one of these unpredictable fighters, sort of like Valentina, where it feels like he could just get the finish in every fight, and sometimes he decides not to. So you do run the risk when you play Blades finish uh, props. But my official prediction will be Blades to TKO uh, Jarzinho in either rounds two or three. Um, so yeah, if you want some action on this fight, throw a few peanuts on a two, three, um, yeah, throw some 
peanuts on inside the distance. Don't go crazy with a blades fight because it's going to ruin your Sunday. Um, it has in the past. <laughs> From experience. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Let's move on to probably the most talked about fight all week. I know Eros Medicin, uh, Jalen Turner, obviously heavy debated because people just don't know whether Medic is the truth or not. But one thing we know for damn sure is that after six years, Nick Diaz is finally making his return to the cage. He's Ooh. going up against uh, Robbie Lawler here in terms of odds. Uh, heavy swelling towards Robbie Lawler's side since that video came out of uh, Nick Diaz's Battle boxing for the promo piece. Uh, minus 155 now on Robbie Lawler. Plus 135 is the return on Nick Diaz. I ain't touching this fight personally. I'm actually going to let you kick this breakdown off because I want nothing to do with it. I feel I feel like I should be tried for murder or something if I'm trying to bet this fucking fight. How do you feel about this Put fight? Put me on please? trial. Put me on trial because I bet I bet Robbie Lawler. Of course you did. I bet Robbie Lawler at minus 110. Um, I bet him before the video. So... To me, the way I look at this fight, I am a massive, massive, massive Nick Diaz fan. Um, great story on the uh, Ozzy and Martian uh, podcast this week where uh, Ozzy was talking about what it felt like when, for all of us that have been watching forever, what it felt like when Nick Diaz beat Gomi and Pride by Gogo Plata. It was so shocking and fun of, a, of an outcome. And he brought this up. Uh, everybody at every single jujitsu gym the next day was at open open gym training uh, Gogo Platas. I learned how to Gogo Plata because of that. I mean, Nick Diaz is an absolute freaking legend. Some of the fights he has put on have just been incredible. Um, but we just have to be realistic here. Nick has Nick has an advantage in size. He pulled a stunt here, and he's making Robbie come in small. And we did see that Robbie weighed in at 184. So we know for a fact Robbie is going to be small. He did say he had been trying to eat a lot to put on some more weight. So that's a disadvantage to Lawler. Now, the big disadvantage to, to Nick is that he hasn't fought in six years. And I don't think he's, he's won since Richard Nixon was president. So it's been a really <laughs> long time since Nick Diaz has, has, has done anything uh, of note in the cage. And even if you look at Nick Diaz's uh, wins in the past, Nick had a style that was tailor-made for the era that he existed in. That era of fighting was all the strength and conditioning was geared towards uh, training boxer wrestlers to be more explosive on their right hand so they could throw hard right hands and knock people out. And most of Nick Diaz's opponents, uh, with the exception, I think, KJ Noons, um, during his run, were, were that type of fighter, where they're a heavy, explosive right-hand fighter. And what Nick would do is he would eat your one or two right hands every 60 seconds, and then he would give you back about 175 punches uh, at, you know, 15% speed. Uh, by the way, that, that video of Nick Diaz shadow boxing, don't put any sock into that. That is how Nick Diaz so I'm not sure like why it was haven't so seen shocking. Him fight it's bizarre to me. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. That's not why I'm not. Watch the Paul Daly fight. Watch the BJ Penn. Fight. Just watch any of his fucking <laughs> any fights. Of his, watch. I rewatched. Um, actually, before this fight was announced, I rewatched the Scott Smith fight just to oh, show wow. somebody what Classic. it's like for somebody to get like 500 punches landed against them because he he broke the CompuBox strike uh, record. Um, that fight. Um. Now, Nick Diaz did an interview a while back where he said um, nobody 
wants to take Robbie Lawler punches. It's not good for your head. He did this a while back when an interviewer asked him in Strike Force if he wanted to fight Robbie again. Nick Diaz knows the power that Robbie brings. I think this fight is going to be largely standing where I give Robbie Lawler an edge. And I know that sounds freaking nuts to everybody, but I do think that Robbie Lawler has more diversity to his game. I do think that Robbie Lawler has the better movement to his game. And I do think that Robbie Lawler has the better defense to his game. Robbie Lawler is pretty damn good at slipping punches. Now, the knock with him the past couple fights, actually past like four or five fights, has been will he throw back? Now, Nick Diaz isn't going to be a proactive wrestler here. So for me, I think this is going to be largely standing up where I give uh, Robbie the edge. Though I do echo your sentiment at this point, do not bet this fight unless you bet the overs or the go the distance. Because I do think this is going to go the distance, and I hit that over two and a half early. I hit it twice at minus 160 and minus 175. Um, but yeah, what a what a stupid fight. But also, I'm super excited to watch it because I, I wanted Nick to come back forever, you know? Yeah. So I'm really, really, really excited. For sure. It's weird to think that he stepped away at 32 and now he's 38 years old, right? Like six years have gone by since the last time we stepped in the cage. And that's usually the prime of a lot of fighters. I know he was on yeah. a little bit of a, a, a skid there in terms of how many fights he had lost. I think it was a two-fight losing streak or three-fight losing streak at that point in time. But still, like he still has the chops to go out there and, and put on decent performances back then. I'm not sure about so much right now. Like my whole prediction all week has been Nick Diaz late finish here, probably round four, round five. But the one thing I actually found interesting when I was watching Robbie Lawler's fights, uh, at least his most recent ones, it, you kind of have to throw them out, right? Like you have Neil Magny, who's just like putting him through the meat grinder for fucking 15 minutes. Colby Covington doing what Colby Covington does. That's not what we're going to get from Nick Diaz, right? We're not yeah. going to get grapple heavy approaches at most. Like the only thing you really see from Nick Diaz is like he does sometimes he'll clinch and he'll try to push his opponent up against the cage and tries to land some like uh, dirty boxing, but he doesn't get to the point where he's trying to drag these guys to the ground, which is crazy to me considering you know the type of jujitsu we believe that he has, right? Like how much more effective could he have been if he if he was one looking to take his opponents down rather than just only using his jujitsu defensively and off of his back? Um, I found it interesting in the Robbie Lawler fight against Neil Magny that he was the one that initially uh, engaged in the clinch and the takedown. He tried taking down Neil Magny first. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. that's not the Robbie Lawler. Magny has shit wrestling though. Yeah, that, that's right? what I mean. But he couldn't do anything after that. Like, he, no. you know, Magny dug the underhooks, reversed him, and he's like, okay, it's my turn now. And that's pretty much what he did yeah. for the majority of the 50 minutes. Yeah. What I'm trying to get at, though, is I wouldn't be surprised to see Robbie Lawler go out there and shoot a takedown. He knows that that's kind of the kryptonite of Nick Diaz is that he's a little bit too comfortable off of his back. But can we truly trust Robbie Lawler to implement that type of approach and not get submitted from Nick Diaz? we got to give him some credit, right? He's got a he's got a decent enough guard. And how good is Robbie Lawler truly from that top position? That's not his fighting style. His fighting style is a striker. So if he wants to go out there and completely flip the script and come out as a grappler here, I don't know how well it's actually going to work out for him. And that that weight thing was so sneaky by Nick Diaz, especially yeah. to have like like when you have Robbie Lawler trying to come in at 170 pounds and then comes in all fight week, you got to believe he's around what at most he's around like 180, 185 at yeah. most. And then they just cut the water weight from that. And now he has to rehydrate back up to 185. So who knows how much that possibly could have fucked with him and his system as well. For anybody that tuned into the Ultimate Wayne show last week, when I was talking to Santino DeFranco, he goes, it's not what they look like at the Wayans, it's how they rehydrate. 
So now Robbie Lawler is essentially going through two rehydration processes at this point in time, trying to get back up to 185 ish points, uh, pounds, and then putting on a little bit more, probably coming into the cage around 190, 195. But I'm not touching this fight. I think you broke it down perfectly. Uh, I'm still picking Nick Diaz. Round four, TKO is going to be my prediction. The only thing that I like is the over. The over two and a half, I know it's a little bit chalky at this point, but I think the durability of both guys is going to hold up here. It's not like Nick Diaz is this crazy one-punch knockout guy. I know he did that to Robbie Lawler 17 years ago, but that was 17 years ago. We're not going to get him a one-punch KOing Robbie Lawler at this point in time. And then if anything, if anything from uh, Nick Diaz holds through over these last six years, Hopefully it's his durability and hopefully it's his ability to take damage because he's going to need that in droves here against a heavy hitter like Robbie Lawler. So, um, yeah, my, my official prediction is going to be Diaz around four, around five KO, but the over two and a half is probably the only thing I would touch in this fight myself. All right. Let's move on to the co-main event here. We got Valentina Shevchenko going up against Lauren Murphy. In terms of odds, we got minus 1150 on Valentina Shevchenko, plus 800 plus 850 is the return on Lauren Murphy. And I'll kick this one off. It's not who's going to win, but how they're going to win. I had the same discussion last week when I was trying to break down the Armand Sarukian fight. Uh, you, you try to extract the most value from a fight like this, in this type of scenario, by either picking the method of victory or picking a total. And I feel like the total is kind of what I said on here with the over two and a half, roughly around uh, even money. Uh, I do think that we'll see Lauren Murphy put up a little bit of a fight early here. We, we have to give her a due. Her striking has been getting better since she moved down to Houston, Texas and started working with the uh, crew, Bob Perez, I believe the guy's name was. Um, uh, but I don't know if it's going to be on the level of Shevchenko here. She might stall a little bit. She might be able to prolong this fight. But I think the later that it goes, we're going to see Shevchenko start to take over. And the one thing that we've kind of been seeing from Shevchenko a lot over her last several fights is that she's not just going out there and striking anymore. She's landing takedowns and takedowns. I think in her last two fights alone, you're getting seven takedowns and five takedowns. Like it's just a progression uh, of takedowns. And uh, I know Lauren Murphy used it effectively takedowns uh, against uh, Joanne Calderwood in the second round of her last fight. But I thought she lost that fight, man. I thought she lost her on one and three. I thought she, she was the, the, the benefit or the beneficiary of uh, being a, a hometown robbery in that fight against Joanne Calderwood. Um, her strength could be her advantage here, uh, Lauren Murphy, that is. She is quite strong it's at this weight class, so she could give some issues to volunteer Shevchenko in that aspect. But I think the longer that this fight goes, we're going to see Shevchenko eventually drag this fight to the ground and then probably get a finish on the ground here, maybe a ground and pound, maybe a crucifix position type of thing again, like she did against Shevchenko and like she did against uh, uh, Jessica Andrade last time around. But I do expect some some sort of resistance here from Lauren Murphy to at least bring us over that two and a half round mark. So I am taking Shevchenko inside the distance, but I think it's going to come later on in this fight, probably round four or round five. How are you seeing this one? Am I giving too much credit to Lauren Murphy here? Or do you think that Shevchenko just rolls through her? So I, I put five units on Lauren Murphy. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Don't do that so, to me, Sean. Uh, I was about to drop my glass of water here. For <laughs> So, uh, no, I, I like your total, actually. At even money, that's solid because what we know of Lauren is that she is tough and uh, she does slow down in round uh, three from what I've seen. Um, she's usually not slowing down as much as her opponent. So that's where she's had this advantage of seeking out takedowns and being very opportunistic on the scorecards, which has really brought her to this position. She's really stolen scorecards with the last 
last minute takedown. And that's why we're seeing this uh, title fight. Um, I think uh, Shevchenko probably finishes her in round three, four, five. So it is going to be maybe a bit of a sweat for you. But I would say that the majority of that probability is going to be on the four and five side. I do think it's going to be a late finish. Um, and I do think it's going to be a TKO. I actually think Lauren Murphy's best path, path to victory here is actually going to be a uh, submission. Uh, the one, the one uh, flaw I think we've seen in uh, Shevchenko was the takedown that Maya got on her, albeit she was coming back from a long layoff and it was just one takedown. So how much can you really look into it? But I do think it is probably her likeliest path because I don't see her um, outstriking uh, Shevchenko. So Hopefully, Lauren Murphy doesn't wrestle so hard that she wins herself and then um, cooks here over two and a half uh, unit or over two and a half round bet. Um, but I do think that's a really solid look, actually, at even money. I think that's pretty safe. Yeah, I actually thought the over was going to be set around, or the, the total, sorry, was going to be set around three and a half. But the fact that they're giving us two and a half here, I got to take advantage of that. Um, I will, yeah, I will also say in regards to Murphy. Uh, five fight winning streak, right? Like, can you really deny her at this point, considering that Valentina yeah. Shevchenko has pretty much she earned it. cleared it out? Yeah, she she has earned it, although, you know, she, in my opinion, didn't earn that decision last time around against Joanne Calderwood. But then again, do we want to see Joanne Calderwood against Valentina Shevchenko? Like, is it going to be any different? Yeah, and then again, how many people are really earning their decisions these days? I mean, there's so <laughs> many bad decisions. So it's sort of like, it's sort of like, what? Let's get Lauren Murphy a payday. I think it's cool she's getting a payday because she seems like a very good person. And it really seems like she's relishing the experience right now based on the embedded videos. So I'm really happy for her. Um, but I, I'm, you know, I know what's going to happen to her on Saturday. So, yeah. Uh, one it. thing to note uh, in terms of the live betting market for this fight, if Murphy does steal a round like Jennifer Maya was able to, uh, if you guys remember, uh, I think it was second round that Jennifer Maya was actually able to steal. But going into that second round, Shevchenko ballooned up to minus 2,000. And then going into the third round after Jennifer Maya actually won that second round, we got Shevchenko around minus 300. Probably the That's best crazy. value you're ever going to get on Shevchenko when she, if she's fighting anybody other than Amanda Nunes. So if you see that happen this weekend as well, where Murphy does steal an early round here i'd probably let the hammer go on shevchenko even if it's like minus 300 that's a max bet that's that's exactly. a mortgage that's a mortgage exactly. right there yeah. let me yeah. call my bank real quick and be like hey <laughs> quick 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 we got one minute liquidate liquidate <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> whatever i have put it on this uh all right let's, let's move on to the main event and again another opportunity to remind me remind the 160 170 plus viewers that we have in the chat here please hit that like hit that subscribe and then show my guy sean some love as well by going to his twitter page which is linked in the description below and hit my man with the follow because you will definitely enjoy what he brings to your timeline all right Let's go to the main event here. Alexander Volkanovsky, Brian Ortega, featherweight strap on the line here. We got minus 170-ish on Volkanovsky, plus 150 on Brian Ortega. I believe I started off the last one, so I will let you kick off the main event, my brother. How do you feel about this fight? Volkanovsky all day. That's how I feel. Uh, I play <laughs> three units, uh, minus 148. I might even add some more, truthfully. I saw a book that had it, like, I think 150 earlier. I'm debating. I'm trying not to go too hard in this spot because it is a main event, and people do rise to the occasion. So, so um, Volkanovski is a better striker. He's a better wrestler. Um, he's a better athlete. 
He seems to have the better mentality, though that's no knock on um, Brian Ortega because, you know, he could snatch a neck at any moment. He could land a knee or an uppercut at any moment. Volkanovski is susceptible to, to either of those. But, I mean, are you really going to bet against the guy who soundly outstruck Max Holloway in two fights? Um, by the numbers, he outstruck Max Holloway. And not only that, if you actually go and look look back at that fight and you, you rewatch some of the looks that he gave uh, Max, he did some very, very technical stuff in there. Um, I think the weight cut was not very forgiving for Brian Ortega. He looked like Skeletor at the, um, at the uh, press conference. Um, and I know this is a bit narrative and kind of a bit Maybe it doesn't matter, but I honestly don't like the whole Tracy Cortez is around me at all times <laughs> type of thing. I I just don't like this stuff. You think I'm this is like a at, Yoko Ono type of thing going on? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, they both have the same hairstyle. They both got the little what do they call that? The the turn up, the turn up. That you yeah, can pull out of the ground. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, there's a lot of, in my opinion, some red flags with Brian Ortega. Props to him for beating Korean Zombie. What a fight. Um, but I do think Volkanovski is on another level. I don't know what the line is at right now, so I don't know how much people are willing to wager. But I do personally believe that Volkanovski is a safe bet, the money line for this for this card. I think I think the odds makers have disrespected him by giving me minus 148. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you here. I'm I'm pretty heavy on the Volkanovski side myself. I I don't think that you can just quickly or 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 just so emphatically say that Ortega is like 2.0 after that one performance against uh, Korean Zombie. You know, what I mean, it just didn't seem like Zombie was the same, especially after he got hit with that spinning back elbow, which is obviously something that Ortega created and made happen, and then he obviously took advantage of that. But how often do you see that happen where a fighter just gets so shook up that you just don't see them really perform to the best of the uh, yeah. abilities after that, right? It, it, even in that third round, the beginning of the third round, you see uh, Korean Zombie like stretching out his jaw. How often do you see that, right? Like, it's Seems like he was still shook up off of that shot. So uh, I'm interested to see, uh, you know, whether we see the same type of confidence that we saw from Ortega in terms of his striking, because that is something that we definitely can say that we saw from him is he looked way more confident in his hands and throwing them and and just trusting his hands and not just, you know, throwing just random shit out there. He had a decent enough jab. He had a decent enough one too. threw some good elbows and stuff. Uh, but he's going up against a master tactician here in Alexander Volkanovsky who was just so so good at implementing a game plan and executing that game plan to perfection, man. Like whether it's misdirections or changing stances, leg kicks, body punches, whatever it is, countering effectively as well. It's just another level. I don't think that Ortega is ready for something like that. Could he club and sub him? Sure. I think that Ortega could absolutely club and sub him. It's fucking MMA at the end of the day, but skill for skill, I think Volkanovski blows him out of the water here. Sure, Same. Ortega has jiu-jitsu and all that, but like he even had Ortega in some compromising positions in his jiu-jitsu realm and couldn't find that 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 submission. Like people just automatically assume that if Ortega gets you to the ground, he's gonna snatch your neck up or something like that. It doesn't always happen that way. And I feel like somebody has a good wrestler. Yes. He's a really and good wrestler. <laughs> yeah, and 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 I feel like the submission defense of Volkanovski is just next level. Uh, takedown defense next level, just the ability, <clears throat> sorry, 
to implement his game is this next level. I've pretty much been riding the Volkanovski train all the way to the belt. I, I didn't really bet him against uh, Holloway or anything like that, but I did take him against Aldo, took him against Mendez. Like I just nice felt bet. as though he he's the next guy. Uh, and why hop off the train now? I feel like this is a perfect spot. I feel as though he'd be up to like minus 250, minus 300 if he didn't have that type of performance against Korean Zombie. And again, that's just saying what if, what if, right? But I think we have to try to put those types of glasses on where we try to not put too much stock into just one performance. If we're seeing that night after night, fight after fight for Ortega, then okay. But I'm not willing to say that after one fight because remember early in his career where he was the comeback kid, just always getting fucked up for like 10 or 10 minutes and then comes back Everybody. in the third round and just pulls off. I still feel he could have some of that left in and where he's just like, okay, you know, I'm probably going to get my ass whooped, but I might be able to snatch something a little bit later, but that's not going to happen when you have a guy that's as technically sound as Alexander Volkanovsky. So yeah, I'm right there with you. I like Volkanovsky minus 170, a gift of a line in my opinion. I love it. I love it. All right. That's pretty much a wrap on the podcast, but we will do that one last segment for you guys here, which is, the lock of the night play for both of us here in terms of what we like. <laughs> I'll kick things off here. I haven't made my decision yet. I have two plays that I'm very confident on, but I'm trying to figure out which one I'm actually going to be making my lock of the night play here. It's either going to be Alexander Volkanovsky around that minus 170 line or Uros Medic and Jalen Turner fight doesn't go to decision around that minus 190 mark. I think both are great plays. I might even just go half and half on both. I'm not 100% sure. I got to figure it out. But one of those plays are going to be my lock than I play. Sean, what's your most confident bet on the card for tomorrow night? Yeah, so I think probably the two bets that I think have the most value that I'll go heaviest on will be Volkanovski money line. And then also goes to decision for Andrade and Calvillo. I mean, you're getting minus 110 on something like that. That's insane for women's MMA, especially for for a, a fight where where Calvillo is not going to put out Andrage and Calvia has never been put out. So I would definitely take a look at both of those lines. I like it. I like it. I'm glad that we're on uh, pretty much on the same side for the spots that I feel quite strong in. You're on the same side as me as that. So that gives me a little extra confidence when we're going into the fights tomorrow. So just to wrap things up, is there anything you want to plug, anything you want to say to the viewers on the way out here? And then I will wrap things up on the back end. Yeah, just follow me on Twitter. My my Twitter handle is at Sean Orr. I, I am starting a website. It's up right now. It's uh, sharpmma.com. And... Um, yeah, there'll probably be blogs up there where I'm going to be posting up my picks pretty early and just thoughts on things. So definitely give that a look uh, and uh, take a look at my timeline and I'll keep everybody updated with, with what's new. There you guys go. And remember, you guys can follow him on Twitter. Just click that uh, link in the description below and you guys will get right to his page. And then you guys can hit that follow. I do want to quickly shout out my guy, Uncle Weezy here. He's saying, Locke, you should bet both. They're both fantastic bets with a ton of data to back up your viewpoint. You're being a bad influence on me, Uncle Weezy, but yeah. I might have to do it. We'll see what happens. But I uh, like Weezy. I like that. Yeah, Weezy's my guy, man. Yeah. I love Weezy. I'll definitely be having him <laughs> back on the show very shortly. Very good stat digger guy there. Obviously, he does a good job with uh, Brady as well when they do their Sunday shows. So shout out to Uncle Weezy. I always try to shout him out whenever I can, but he definitely hit my hit a nerve or hit a soft spot with me right there. So uh, once again, appreciate all the 160 live viewers that we currently have. If you guys haven't already, make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe. Uh, tomorrow, I will be doing the Fight Day live chat at 1 p.m. Eastern. As always, that stream is always for you guys taking all questions, all comments, all concerns. 
for last minute uh, to, to help you guys make your last minute decisions in terms of what you guys want to bet and hopefully put some extra green in your pocket tomorrow night. All right. Good luck on your bets tomorrow, fellas. Sean, thank you again for joining me tonight. And uh, good luck on your bets tomorrow. We'll see you guys tomorrow, 1 p.m. Eastern, for the Fight Day live chat. War, Alexander Volkanovsky, baby. Let's go.